remembering lefty here over the last half hour, and we'll let you guys weigh in at the end of the show as well at 301-230-0980. It is a pleasure to welcome on courtesy of our BetQL guest hotline one of lefty's greatest players and maybe the player he was most proud of and spoke about the most, and that is Tom McMillan, uh, who joins us right now. I always felt like... There was just something special about the way the bond that the two of you had and the way he felt about you because there wasn't a conversation about his teams at Maryland where he didn't say the only Rhodes Scholar in the history of the of the University of Maryland was Tom McMillan. So I'll start there. Your recollections of that, and do you think he had a special place in his heart that you did? Oh, gosh, it's great to be with you. You know, it's a very interesting question because Lefty was more proud of my Rose Scholarship and that accomplishment than any basketball milestone I ever achieved. And he was also proud that he had another Rose Scholar on his team in Davidson. So he was the only college coach ever who had two Rose Scholars. They're they're few and far between in, uh, in college sports. And so he was a he was just an amazing person. I went to see him two weeks ago. We had two hours just going down memory lane. Uh, But as I said, people would be surprised to think, to to hear that he always thought that was my greatest achievement, not, not my basketball milestones. Well, I think he felt the same way about Len Elmore as well and going to law school and becoming, you know, uh, becoming a lawyer. He always seemed to, like you just said, accentuate the non-basketball part of your lives and the people that you became as much as the basketball part. Absolutely. He was so proud of Lenny for going back and doing the Harvard Law School and you know, he he really cared for his players. He kept in touch with them. He had this uh, unique bond. I mean, we did a 90th birthday party for him. For anybody that wants to, two years ago, anybody <laughs> wants to look at it, it's still on YouTube. It's called Lefty 9-0. It was two hours of all his former players, uh, Coach K, Steny Hoyer, all, Billy Packer, all this tremendous group of people who adored Lefty, and, and after each one of them spoke, he he came back and gave his own monologue. And what was amazing was his brain was so sharp, his acuity was so so much there, even at the end. And uh, as I said, when I went down to see him, I mean, we talked about so many things. About you know, he he was talking about Caitlin uh, Clark and how good she was. And then he was watching her on TV, and he said, she could play in the NBA. I remember he saying that to me. <laughs> so it, it, it was nice. I know it was hard for him at the end, but uh, it was just nice to see him uh, two weeks ago. I'm so glad, by the way, that he got in, Tom, to the Hall of Fame. That Hall of Fame speech, uh, you know, was memorable, uh, memorable 15 minutes. But I, I think, you know, for those that are too young to understand the reaction, all you got to know is that John Thompson, Mike Krzyzewski, and George Raveling were his inductors. I mean, that, that's, that said a lot. It was a beautiful program. And, you know, the sad thing is it took so long and it was because of the, you know, the the bias hangover, Lenny Lenny bias dying, which was so tragic. And uh, you know, Lenny Lefty was completely exonerated on that thing. Yes. You know, you had a prosecutor in Prince George's County who was going after him, but Lefty was completely exonerated. And yet, 
you know, his basketball career was in shambles after that. You know, he he picked it up and went to James Madison, and you know they had they, he won five consecutive regular season titles down there, and then he went to Georgia State, and his career was just incredible because he won all those games. Over, he was the first coach ever to win a hundred games in in four different programs. But the bias incident was was a tragedy, but. You know, in 86, he, he got the award. It was so well-deserved. And his speech will go down for the ages. It was incredible for an 86-year-old to give a, to give that kind of extemporaneous speech, which was, uh, if you go back and watch, listen to it, it's just truly amazing. Tom McMillan joining us. So we used to do this thing that we called Lunch with a Legend where we would sell tickets. We'd have a, a D.C. sports legend uh, you know, join us down at Morton's on Connecticut Avenue. Um, and we did everybody in town. We did, you know, Sonny Jurgensen and Dexter Manley and Joe Theismann. And we did uh, Coach Thompson. We did Gary. And it took me forever to convince Lefty to do it because he wanted, he wanted to get paid. And we didn't pay anybody to do it. Finally, we got him some money. And it shook free, and he came up to do it. The event, Tom, I think sold out in like five minutes. I think it was the quickest sellout we had ever had. And I've told this story many times to my many times to my listeners, but I'll mention it to you. It's eleven thirty, and it's supposed to start, and he's not there yet. And I look at my uh, my phone, and it's Lefty calling, and I said, "Coach, what's up?" And he said. Kevin, I'm going to need another $1,500 to do this. And I said, are you serious? And he goes, no, nah, man, I'm just, I'm just joking with you. I'm getting off the escalator right now. And he walked in, and it was hysterically funny. And then for two hours, he just told story after story. And one of my favorites was your recruitment. And I'll let you tell it from your perspective, but the net of it, for those of you that don't know, Tom McMillan was the number one high school basketball player in the country. Walton was number two. And it was Wooden and Dean Smith and Lefty and the biggest programs coming after Tom McMillan. And essentially, the way Lefty tells it is, you were headed to North Carolina, but then things got a little bit messed up on your drive from Pennsylvania down to Chapel Hill, and I'll let you take it from there. Well, that's a, that's a little hyperbolic, but what happened was I had committed verbally to Carolina. You know, my mother wanted me to go to Virginia. She was close to the coach of Virginia who coached in my hometown for a while. My brother Jay was at Maryland in medical school, played, of course, with Gary Williams. He yep. wanted me to go to Maryland. My dad wanted me to go to Maryland because he was it was close by and he could come to our games. Well, after I had made that commitment to Dean, uh, my my father uh, became ill, and he was quite ill, and I we were all worried about him. And, uh, you know, I started rethinking it. Lefty came back on the scene. You know, he had just gotten to Maryland. And I, I started really thinking about it. Uh, and, you know, earlier that year, I had been appointed by President Nixon as the youngest member presidential appointee, I think, ever. I was appointed on the President's Council on Physical Fitness and Sports. And so I thought, wow, you know, here I am. I'm a presidential commission. I get to go to the White House. I can go to Maryland and be, you know, an All-American, not just another All-American. And my dad gets to see me play. And so the day before classes, uh, the registration was going to shut down. I 
I called Dean, Dean, who was in Europe. I couldn't even reach him. I had to send him a telegram. And then I came to Maryland. I got to Maryland literally at the last minute, registered for classes. And uh, my dad saw me play almost every home game until he died my senior year. Well, he he mentioned, too, that part of it was you weren't going to tell your parents what you were doing, but you needed your own dorm room, is the way he described it. So Lefty went to, I don't know, Ellicott or Hagerstown or or, or, or Wicomico or what, Leonard Leonardtown wasn't even built then in terms of the dorms, um, and just and basically took a couple of kids and said, I'm going to put you up at my house. This is Tom's room now. Is that hyperbolic? It's a little hyperbolic because, you know, I was a chemistry major, and that's pretty damn hard, and uh, I knew I'd have to study like a dog. And so Lefty did find me a small little uh, single room, but it was on the football floor, so I, which was supervised and very quiet. And so he did, he did come through with that. I did, you know, I, uh, I lived on that floor, but it was a very, very good place to study. So uh, I, that was my only request, coming to Maryland. And, uh, yeah. you know, I need a room so I can study. And he, he did accommodate that. So we're talking to Tom McMillan. So, I, you know, I've talked about many times in the past and today, the 74 season, which for me, Tom, I, I mean, this is the first kind of season I remember. Um, and my father was a big basketball guy and fan and a big Maryland guy. And we, we, we loved and grew up, you know, going to games at Cole and the whole thing. I think it was maybe the first big breakout year for college basketball as a massive sort of consumer product because UCLA had kind of owned college basketball. The NIT was kind of just as big as the NCAA, but everybody knows about the 74 game against NC state in Greensboro. Um, that was the closest really he got. Uh, tell me about that night. Tell me about your feelings about him never getting you know a chance to get to a Final Four. They went to the Elite Eight next year without you and Lenny. Um, but just what you remember from that era. Well, we started that season with a game against UCLA, yeah. the Pavilion, where UCLA had lost in like 78 times. And we had the ball with you know, a number of seconds left and uh, – we were only down by one, so that could have changed history right there. But we ended up playing that overtime game against State. It was a perfectly played game, few turnovers, great shooting. You know, they had their All-Americans. We had ours. And uh, Tom Burleson had a great game. Of course, David Thompson was one of a kind. And, uh, you know, we could have very easily won that game. Uh, we didn't. Lefty went on to the state bus, North Carolina State bus, after the game and congratulated them, wished them well. They went on to win the national title. But it was a time when, you know, at that time, there were only 25 teams in the NCAA tournament. Some of them were from small conferences where, you know, the big conferences, the Big East, uh, the PAC conference, uh, the ACC, those were the premier conferences where the best teams were coming out. And, uh, you know, along with a few other, but uh, many of those 25 teams were far inferior to us, and they got automatic, uh, you know, qualifiers into the NCAA tournament. So the NCAA changed the rules after that. They opened it up. So now, you know, there's 68 teams that can get into the championship. Even when Maryland thankfully won the NCAA title under Gary, that year they lost the ACC 
tournament. So yeah. if that rule had not been changed, uh, it, it would have Maryland would not have won that national title. So the rule needed to be changed. It was very unfair, and uh, and uh, you know we just we were sort of the the reason why why it was uh, why it was changed. You know, have you ever gone back? You know, that game exists on YouTube. Have you ever gone back and watched it? I've watched parts of it. Yeah, it's a uh, people have sent. I have tapes of it. I've yes, I've I've watched a little bit of it. I don't make a habit of watching too many of my past games, but <laughs> I did watch a little bit of that one. It was, uh, you know, we had a, uh, an anniversary last year. It was supposed to be the 50th. It was actually the 49th in Greensboro of that game. And uh, and Burleson and Thompson and Monty Tau came. And then on our side, Lenny, myself, and uh, Jab Trimble came. Uh, excuse me, uh, Mo Howard came. And it was really nice to see uh, you know, Tom Burleson, who I've kept to, to, in touch with over the years. We played in the NBA together. We were on the Olympic team together. David Thompson, what a wonderful player. And so it brought back a lot of memories. Tom McMillan was on that famous uh, 72 Olympic team that lost after Russia had three or four chances there uh, at the end. Um, you know, uh, one of the stories Lefty told, I'll, I'll never forget, about the 72 Olympic team. And he felt in later years that Bobby Knight was somehow responsible for keeping him out of the Hall of Fame because he was a Hank Iba guy. And Lefty was critical of Hank Iba's style in those Olympics and said, if we played my kind of basketball, which was more up and down the floor, we would have blown Russia out. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. And I had never heard that story, but it makes sense because Lefty also criticized us, including me, for not accepting the medal. Um, I think in the later years, I think he understood the reasons better. If we accepted those medals, they, you know, we would have never had any focus on that game by not accepting it over the years has been tremendous tension played to the injustice of that game. Uh, but I had never heard that before. It doesn't surprise me. Uh, Lefty was pretty hard on Hank Iva and, and quite frankly, rightfully so. I mean, we played a slowdown game. We should never have ever played the kind of game we were doing and you know Heibel was Heibel was old school I mean he was a tough coach I mean he was an excellent coach but the game had changed so much uh and uh you know coach was honest and open that's how he always was and uh, I never heard the, the fact that it could have hurt him uh in the hall of fame but yeah I think during the you know the last 15 years before he got into the hall of fame certainly the last 10 there were lots of conversations about why he wasn't in and so many of us thought it was a total injustice that he wasn't in and of course he finally uh did get in um we are talking to Tom McMillan what made him such a great recruiter as I always said it you, you think about a dog that grabs your pants that won't let go. Uh, that's Lefty. He was indefatigable. He never, he never quit. But there's another thing about him. He started his whole career as an encyclopedia salesperson. Right. So he had to go around sell encyclopedias and deal with all the issues and rejection and all that. He learned how to sell. It's an incredible quality. And uh, he was a very good salesman. One time I, he was in my house in Pennsylvania, and I was telling him 
Lefty, Maryland's not that good a school. Its library has far fewer books than Virginia and North Carolina. And Lefty just, without a second, said, Tom, when you read all those books at Maryland, I promise I'll buy you every book you want. (laughs) I mean, it's just not many people that can do that. But the fact of the matter is that that reputation clouded the fact that he was a very good coach. He was very right. fundamentally oriented. He he made sure that we were prepared. He 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 never wanted anybody to outthink him, outwork him, out innovate him. That's where uh, the whole, you know, midnight madness came from. He didn't want anybody beating us to the punch on practice. So we were going to start at 1201 on on the track running around uh, on the football field, and we were the first ones. And look at that today. I mean, it's such a big tradition that Lefty started, and that's the way he was. The idea of bringing the seat, seats down in Cole Fieldhouse. Right. My brother played with Gary Williams. It was like it was like going to a a theater that was the, the fan. The fans were so far away from the floor, the stadium. Cole Fieldhouse was built for football in the fifties, and Lefty change that around, put those seats down on the floor and turn it into really a mecca of college basketball. And those are the, some of the innovations. The other thing that was really remarkable and, and very few coaches do this today. Uh, he took responsibility for filling the stadium. He, he, we never, all, all of our games were so sold out. I mean, it was standing room only. And, and Lefty was proud of that. He took personal responsibility how many coaches today take personal responsibility for filling up their arena? Well, there. Uh, Scott told me this story. Van Pelt told me this story uh, over the weekend. He said that the that Lefty had told him the first year when he brought the seats down to the floor and moved the students into good position, you had to get these risers to get the seats close to the floor, and there was an expense to bring these things out. And they w- the school wouldn't pay for it. So he got you guys or people associated with the team to do it. It was hard labor. But once, it, once they saw that it worked and that the place was filling up and the seats down on the floor were creating an atmosphere that didn't exist before, they finally started to pay for it. He was a marketer at heart. That's right. So he got volunteers to do that. And he did it in record time with those volunteers and that. It, it changed. It changed Fieldhouse. I mean, it was it was very sterile before that. I mean, and by the way, it's, it wasn't that novel. Maryland had hosted national titles, right? It, I, I saw that '66 national title there against Kentucky and Texas uh, El Paso and Texas Western, and they had those seats down on the floor. And all the Eastern Regionals, they had those seats down on the floor. And Lefty had played a Eastern regional game in Cole Fieldhouse. Davidson. Yeah, when he was at Davidson. He saw that. It wasn't like he was some visionary. He saw what a difference, what a difference the arena was when it was uh, uh, configured down on the floor like that. So he was always thinking. He just was, he was, as I said, uh, insatiable about learning and and, uh, indefatigable. I loved what you said, too, and I always felt that it was just an unfair knock. Great recruiter, okay coach. 
you don't win as much as he won being an okay coach. But what made and gave license people to say that is that he didn't take a team to the Final Four or win a national championship. But, you know, the best team he ever had probably would have been in the finals at the very least against NC State um, in 74. Um, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad you said that because I still think to this day there are non-Maryland fans or fans in the ACC that will talk about Lefty being super colorful and a great recruiter but not a great coach. Well, so ironic. Charlie Scott, the great – Carolina right. player who went on to such a career in the NBA, he had committed to Davidson. If Charlie had gone to Davidson, uh, he would have he he would have won two, maybe two national titles there. I mean, it would have been tough because UCLA was there, but he would have had a real shot at it, and uh, and probably he wouldn't have gone to Maryland after that. Charlie Scott was the really the the reason that if he had gone to Davidson, they would have, you know, probably won a national title left. He might not have come to Maryland. I might not have come to Maryland under, under those circumstances. So, and then he goes to James Madison. He wins five consecutive uh, colonial titles. No one has, no school has managed to win more than three straight since he was there. And he did the same thing at Georgia state. So it's not fair to, to say that he wasn't a great coach because he truly was. And, you know, you mentioned the lifelong connections and, and relationships he kept, he kept with all of you. Uh, this was a pleasure. I wish we could do it longer. Thank you so much, Tom. Really appreciate yeah, it. Anytime. Happy to do it. Thank you for honoring him, too. Really appreciate yeah. it. Tom McMillan, everybody. Uh, a lot of you want me to tell the lefty milkman story. Uh, I'll finish up with that when we come back. Kevin Sheehan showed the Team 980. Caps hockey tonight. They're in action against the Josh Harris-owned New Jersey Devils, hosting them at Cap 1. Pucks drops at 7. You can hear that on our sister station, 106.7. The fan Terps on the road against Wisconsin. They tip off late at 9 p.m. You can hear that right here on the team at 9.80. In the NBA, the Nets promote former UConn head coach Kevin Ollie to interim coach to replace the fired Jacques Vaughn. News of his firing was released yesterday. NFL rumbling suggesting that Mike Evans might hit the open market as a wide receiver after he and Tampa Bay still have yet to agree on a long-term deal. And that's what's trending. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.